Father, I'm pleading with shameless persistence. Help me 
manage this magnificent abundant inheritance i've been given by the power of your holy spirit that's operative in me and that same power was at work in jesus when he was raised from among the dead and when he lived casting out demons healing the sick cleansing the lepers feeding more than five thousand Ooh, and he's at work remember that thank you father thank you jesus thank you holy spirit my god is one there is no other get it through your head it's the father's will the kingdom repent for the kingdom of heaven is here in the name of jesus holy spirit help us comfort us guide us lead us teach us help us to mature and reign in life salvation because it's all jesus the battle is the lord's our whole armor our belt of truth breastplate of righteousness helmet of salvation our gospel of peace to cover our feet our shield of faith and the sword of the spirit it's all jesus the word of god is living and powerful sharper than any double-edged weapon piercing to the division of body soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart That's an abomination under the Lord. Then 
they were very strict within the law. God was seeking to preserve the nation. He knew that by allowing certain things within the land that it, they would have within them incumbent seeds of destruction. As you look at history, you'll find that the majority of the nations that were once great were not really conquered by outside forces, but deteriorated by the rotten politics within the nation itself. Nations after a period of time have a tendency to become corrupted. Nations are built upon certain pillars of righteousness, justice, equity. Solid pillars upon which a nation is built. But when these pillars begin to rot, then the nation is in a dangerous condition and will soon fall. One of the rotten plants that God was seeking to guard against was that of idolatrous worship. Therefore, the penalty that God ordered for anyone who would enter into idolatrous worship, the worship of other gods, the worshiping of God in unprescribed ways, the penalty was to be that of stoning. He's wrought wickedness within Israel, and he's served other gods, worshiped them, the sun, the moon, the hosts of heaven, which I have not commanded, God said. Now, you are to inquire diligently to see if the story is true. And if two or three people will witness against that person of the truth of the charges, then he is to be stoned by the congregation of Israel. However, the death penalty was not to be invoked if there were only one witness against the person. Now, if the matters were brought to the judges and it was really too hard for them to determine just how to rule in the case, then they were to bring those matters before the priests. And the Levites shall inquire of the Lord and give the sentence of judgment. And again, God speaks of the place that he will choose in the land, which will be the place where men will meet God and worship God. Now, in the 14th verse, it is interesting as God now anticipates a future deterioration of the land. You see, God intended that the nation Israel be a theocracy. That it be a nation that was governed by God. They were to have the most unusual form of government of any nation in the world. Where other nations may have had monarchies or dictatorships or democracies or other forms of government, Theirs was to be unique because they were to be a theocracy, a nation that was ruled over by God. Not 
as Iran is today. Khomeini sort of tries to give an aura of divine uh, approval or, uh, you know, God's government, but surely what he has installed is far from God's government. But God knew that one day these people would insist upon a king. And therefore, even though at this point there was not to be any king ruling over them by God's divine ideal, yet knowing that the day would come when they would no longer adhere to God's ideal plan for them as a nation, and would insist upon a king, God therefore in the law gave certain rules when a king would rise to rule over them, then he gave rules for the king here in the laws. Though it was to be 400 years or so before they would have a king, yet God already anticipating the demand for a king is now giving the rules when a king does rise to rule over them. And so, to me it is interesting that God in anticipation of their future demand for a king throws in here, even in the law, certain rules to govern the king when they ultimately have a king. And the, the very reason that they would give for having a king is anticipated by God. When you want to have a king like the other nations. When the people came to Samuel, they said, set up a king over us like the other nations. And, and they demanded that they have a king. And so God anticipating this demand of the people. When it comes to pass, you're in the land which the Lord gives you. You're dwelling there and you shall say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among your brothers shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over you, which is not your brother. Now, here are the rules for the king. First of all, he's not to multiply horses to himself or to go down to Egypt in order to trade for horses. The second was that he was not to multiply wives unto himself. And the reason for this was given, lest his wives turn his heart away from God. Now it is interesting, when Solomon became king, he failed on all three counts. First of all, Solomon began to multiply horses unto himself. And the, Solomon, the, the stables of Solomon are, are still to be found throughout Israel. Not only did he multiply horses, but he went down to Egypt in order to do horse trading. The second, disobedience. And finally, he multiplied wives unto himself. Now it is interesting that God said you're not to multiply wives, thus their hearts Thus they turn your heart away from me. And Solomon's 
wise turned his heart away from the Lord and brought the failure to Solomon. So God anticipated the evil. He anticipated the results of the evil. He warned about it. And yet Solomon disregarded the warnings of God, did exactly what God said he should not do, and exactly what God said would happen, did happen. In other words, God knows what he's talking about. Amen. We so often feel that we know better. Well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, I can do it and get by with it. Oh, that will never change me. Wives can never change my attitude towards God. And, and that may apply to some others, but that really doesn't apply to me. And we think that somehow we have some private exclusion from the rules or the laws that God establishes. Not so. God has set the rules. He has set the punishment or the things that would transpire if the rules are violated. You think you can get by with it? You can. You can be sure that even as God has stated, so shall it be. And you can be sure that God doesn't warn you about anything needlessly. Whatever God warned you about is the thing that you're in danger of violating or doing. So God was warning concerning the king. Solomon disregarded the warning. And even as God declared, so did it take place in Solomon's life. Now the king actually was to make his own copy of the law. And he was to read it daily. Now how marvelous that would be if you had a president who would have to write his own copy of the word of God. And then writing it and reading it all the time. And then have to read it daily. When Moses turned the charge over to Joshua, he gave to him the law and he said, Now thou shalt diligently consider the law. Thou shalt meditate in it, and thus shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and thus shalt thou have good success. David spoke of his own delight in the law of the Lord, which he meditated in day and night. He was a man after God's own heart because of the respect that he gave to God's word as a king. David was the kind of king that God wanted. God wanted a shepherd king. God always wants shepherds to rule. He wants all of the rulers to have the hearts of a shepherd. David had the heart of the shepherd for God's people. Nurturing them, caring for them, loving them, concerned with their needs. So, the requirement that the king write his own copy of the scriptures and read it. Now again, he repeats how that the tribe of Levi is not to be given any portion of the land. But they will eat the offerings that were given unto the Lord made by fire as their inheritance for the Lord is their inheritance and thus 
the priest, when he offered a sacrifice, they were to give the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the maw. Also, they were to give to the priest the first fruit of their corn and of their wine and of their oil. And the first of the fleece of thy sheep shalt thou give to him. Now, God required really a tenth. He considered that as his. And the tenth was always to be the first tenth was to go unto God. Now when you would bring an offering that the priest would sacrifice the offering for you, the priest always got the shoulder and the cheeks and the maw. That was his that was his sort of fee or not really a fee, but that was just his his allotted share from the sacrifice. Now later on in their history when Eli was the priest.